Now, given that you're listening to this interview, I'm delighted to tell you that you have something in common with our next guest, because you're both travellers. Now, for sure, you're sitting in a comfortable seat on an A380 or 777, enjoying the in-flight service rather than hiking across the Himalayas or Central America on foot. But the fact remains you're still a traveller out to seek new experiences. So while you order another drink, I'll introduce you to Leveson Wood, who's one of very few adventurers to have travelled the entire length of the Himalayas on foot, a total of 1,700 miles from Afghanistan to Bhutan, plus lots of other places as well. Now, that was a, Leveson, that was a pretty amazing feat of endurance. Why on earth did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good question and one I get uh, asked quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, for the past four or five years, I've been doing lots of um, interesting journeys, uh, mainly by foot, overland trails. I mean, I, I, four years ago, I walked the length of the River Nile all the way from Central Africa and Rwanda to Egypt. And that was a, a journey of some uh, 4,000 miles on foot. 4,000 miles on foot? My yeah, gosh. that took nine months. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I clearly couldn't get enough of it. So I decided the following year to uh, to walk the length of the Himalayas. Uh, and then since then, I've also uh, walked the length of Central America from, from Mexico down to Colombia. And then uh, earlier on this year, I, I did another journey um, over the Caucasus Mountains uh, from Russia to Iran. And you've written books on all of these? That's right, yes. I've, I've written, I've written uh, four books, the latest one being actually about um, an earlier journey I took uh, when I was age 22. I hitchhiked from, uh, from Europe to India following the length of the Silk Road. So let's just talk about the books for a second. Let's quickly run through them so everybody knows exactly what's on offer. Okay. So, um, yes, my first book, Walking the Nile, um, that recounts um, a journey that I did um, over the course of um, nine months from 2013 to 2014. Uh, where I set off in the footsteps, really, um, of some of my own heroes um, who who went in search of the source of the Nile in the mid-19th century. I wanted to follow the, the length of this great river. And by doing it on foot, you see it through a very different perspective. You see it from the ground level up, really. And, um, you know, the, the hardships and the challenges that the local people who live there um, have to endure every day, you know, experiencing that really brings a new light to to this very mystical river. Uh, yeah, and then beyond that, the, the Himalayas was another region that I was, I've always been drawn to the Himalayas because I think um, you know the, I'd, I was always fascinated by the tales um, of Edmund Hillary and George Mallory and uh, you know the, the pioneers of mountaineering. But but of course, there's a lot more to the Himalayas than than just bagging mountains. And that's really what my journey was about. Um, I didn't really go in search of summiting peaks. Really, this was a journey of anthropology. It was about meeting the people that that call the Himalayas their home and and actually taking a very diverse group of communities. You know, the people in Afghanistan where I started up in the northeast in the Wahan Corridor, um, don't necessarily have all that much in common with the people in Bhutan in terms of language, religion, culture. Um, but what they do do is, you know, living in the same environment, they share the same hardships and, uh, and challenges of living in the, the valleys of the greatest mountain range on earth. And, and so for me, it was about seeking out the what people identify with, but also seeing what unites people around the world as well. Um, and then following on from that theme, walking the Americas, another region that um, I personally found fascinating because of the indigenous culture in, in Central America, uh, the Mayan and so on. And, and seeing how, you know, the, the Spanish influence there has, has perhaps changed the, the, the scene and, um, and so on and how people relate to the United States.
United States uh, and also the, the ongoing issues of migration through the region. So, you know, there I was in the middle of the Darien Gap in, in Panama in this very remote wild jungle and I was meeting people from all around the world, from East Africa, from India, from Bangladesh, um, all wanting to get to North America. So it's fascinating to find out people's stories about how they managed to get to this very remote jungle in the middle of um, Central America. Um, and then since then, my, my latest journey uh, through the Caucasus Mountains, um, rather than write a book about that journey, which was only uh, actually two and a half months long, I thought, why not take the opportunity to go back to an earlier journey that I did, uh, which was when I was 22 years old. And it was probably the most formative journey that I took because... Fresh out of university, I um, had a, a very shoestring budget, actually. I, I, I managed to survive on only £500. I mean, it was I had £750, but I needed £250 to get back home with a flight at the end. So I spent a grand total of £500 um, over the course of five months, where I hitchhiked all the way from Nottingham in, in England all the way to southern India, which was a fascinating journey of some seven or 8,000 miles traveling entirely at the mercy of locals and what I found was going through some of the most I, I suppose uh, you know at the time were very dangerous places um, or at least perceived to be quite dangerous places um, I was actually looked after very well you know I, I hitchhiked through Afghanistan and through Pakistan and um, through the wilds of the North Caucasus and, and actually yeah I found myself in lots of tricky situations but but actually um, I was generally looked after very well. When you say hitchhiking, uh, are you catching lifts or are you literally walking? So for the first three journeys, uh, the Nile, the Himalayas and Central America, that was purely on foot. That was walking only. But uh, for the latest journey, I thought I'd hitchhike because I wanted to retrace my own footsteps in the way that I did it when I was 22. So what is it about travelling, exploring that makes you want to do it? You've obviously got the bug. What's what's inside you that makes you want to do this? <laughs> um, I'd like to think that it's just a, a curiosity about the world, really. I mean, I've always been fascinated by by travel and by the concept of exploration. Of course, you know, putting Explorer on your, on your business card these days is a bit of an odd one, isn't it? But um, I think for me it's about undertaking journeys and, and and bringing them to life by sharing them, documenting those journeys with people perhaps less fortunate, people who, that wouldn't or couldn't make those journeys themselves, both obviously in book form, but also, you know, through, I, I do a bit of photography and I make TV documentaries as well. So different formats, but ultimately it's about sharing the journeys uh, and understanding how you know, people and places change because, you know, you might make one journey um, one year and then do it a decade later. It'll be an entirely different different journey. And, and that's what I found with my journeys. I'm revisiting places that I went to as a backpacker, you know, different, different budgets, different times. Um, but ultimately, it's, you know, what I really enjoy is seeing how places change. You must have had some fairly hairy moments along the way. Can you recall any that were particularly scary? <laughs> There's been everything from being chased by um, wild animals in, in, in Africa. I mean, I, was, I remember getting charged by bull elephants and hippos and, uh, you know, snakes in the Sahara Desert. Um, but of course, you know, whilst animals are fairly predictable, um, people are, are less so. And, and I've certainly been in, found myself in some trouble spots. I was in South Sudan when the civil war was happening in 2014. And I found myself on the roof of a sort of shelled out hotel as the um, rebel forces were advancing and uh, there was a gunfight in the streets, you know, around me. So things like that. But, you know, what? Well, it's it's usually the more 
banal side of things that, that really are the most dangerous. And of course, you know, getting into uh, dodgy taxes along the way is, is inevitably going to be uh, one of the most dangerous things you, could, you can ever do. And um, that's exactly what happened to me in the Himalayas. Um, I, I got a taxi. It was, um, it was going dark and I needed to find somewhere to stay. So I thought I'd get to the next village. And uh, as we were going over the top of a mountain pass, the, uh, the brakes failed. And um, basically the, the car went hurtling off the edge of a 450-foot cliff uh, straight into a jungle ravine. With you in it? With me in it at night. You know, the car rolled about 10 times and I managed to you know, somehow survive uh, with only, uh, you know, a broken arm and a, and a busted shoulder. So very, very lucky indeed. Um, the driver didn't fare so well. He broke his back and his legs. But, you know, everyone everyone did survive, which was, which was of course, the main thing. But, you know, they're, they're the occupational hazards, I guess. My goodness. I mean, how long were you lying there in this car until help arrived? And how, how do you summon help in the middle of the Himalayas? I know. Well, that was, that was difficult. I mean, um, it took three days before or I could actually manage to escape. Luckily, some locals found me. They must have heard the car going off, and you know, an hour or two later, they, they managed to carry me to the local village. But of course, there was there was very little by way of a medical care there, so I had to wait three days for a helicopter to come. Uh, it was the rain, it was the monsoon season, the rainy season, so um, helicopters couldn't fly. So I was I was in a lot of pain, a lot of agony um, until I managed to get rescued. But um, but even then, you know, my, my my arm was completely mangled, sadly. But uh, but it all got fixed out in the end, and I carried on with the journey. A few weeks later and, and got all the way to um, to Bhutan. So who are your explorer heroes? Um, I mean, I've got a lot. I mean, I, I was kind of brought up on a diet of my own sort of Victorian heroes from, from Britain, the likes of Burton and Speak and um, Stanley and Livingstone. And of course, the, uh, you know, the pioneering mountaineers, people like George Mallory. But actually, I think in terms of my own literary explorer heroes, literary travellers. It's um, probably um, Patrick Lee Fermer, who did some incredible journeys back in the 1930s and 40s. Fitzroy McLean, you know, uh, who, who wrote about, um, you know, the pre and post war years. Um, and then, of course, Eric Newby and Norman Lewis, who, who really, I just think their style of writing uh, was so incredibly dry but humorous that, you know, that's something that I, I'd like to think that, um, you know, I'm hoping to emulate in my, in my own writing. These days, it seems... There's, there's no part of the world that it's not possible to get to within a few hours. You jump on an Emirates aircraft in London and a few hours later you're in India or in Indonesia. Is there much of the world still left to explore? Well, that's right. I mean, we, we live in, we're very lucky. We live in times where we can travel anywhere in the world. And I think, um, you know, we should be very grateful for that in, in many ways. I think it depends on your, your definition of exploration. You know, we're not in the business of planting flags in, in, in the maps and in, in the ground anymore. But um, I think exploration really, as, as I said, is, is about going to places, seeing how they've changed, documenting that change, and then sharing that with others. Because there are lots of very remote and wild places that, you know, it does take at least a couple of days to get to uh, and there's some pretty wild jungles and deserts left out there um, that people have, have not been to in, in, in decades if not if not centuries so I think um, you know of course people have been to pretty much everywhere on the globe uh, at some point in time um, but the world changes very quickly as, as you only you have to turn the news on to see that. Now, you're booked to appear at the uh, Festival of Literature in Dubai in early March. Are you looking forward to it? I'm very much looking forward to it. I've not been to Dubai in a, in a little while, actually, so I'm very excited to, uh, to get back out there. 
What's it like for you? It's very, very much a change of atmosphere, isn't it? One minute you're trekking through the jungles, next minute you're performing in front of a, uh, in front of an audience. I know. Yes. Well, I quite, I quite enjoy the contrast, which is, which is, uh, which is good. You know, it's, um, it's great to be out in the wilds. Uh, it's great to be climbing mountains and crossing deserts. But I think really, I, I, I enjoy hopefully inspiring other people to undertake their own journeys and, um, you know, to sort of live their dreams. And, and I think by speaking to audiences and and sharing my my writing, that hopefully does that. Now, what's next in your diary, apart from a five-star experience at the Intercontinental Hotel in Dubai? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Arabian Peninsula, and actually I'm hoping to travel out to, uh, to the Middle East and um, be, be spending a bit of time out in the Emirates, but also Oman and some other parts of the region to write another book um, in, in line with the concept of travelling overland. But I can't say too much about it because it's kind of a bit under wraps at the moment. But um, yes, the next journey will definitely involve the Middle East and the Arabian Peninsula. That's all I can say right now. And you're looking forward to it? I am. Very excited. Lev, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you very much for sparing the time to come see us today. And all I can say is that if you're in Dubai in March, pop along to the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature and catch up with uh, Levison Wood. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.